Grace is yours and mercy and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Dan, I'm impressed. That wasn't even in the same key and you made it seem seamless. That was a really nice transition. Of course, now I brought attention to it, didn't I? But no, I mean, the guy's got chops. What can I say? Today's sermon is called, As a Witness to the Light, and as you can probably tell, it's based on the gospel lesson for the day. Last week I brought some attention twice, both in Sunday and then also on Wednesday, I brought attention to our nativity set out there. You know, almost every nativity set, including the ones that we have at home, almost every nativity set has at least one good camel. As a matter of fact, my wife's nativity set. She has a nativity set that she painted with her mother back when, you know, people would go to these ceramics classes and such. She has her mother's set and then we also have her set. And the camel is the biggest one in the entire nativity set. It is large and unwieldy. And of course, that means that uh, with the fact that we've moved over a dozen times, uh, one of the camel's necks broke off. But we glued it back together. And um, point is, we couldn't have, we didn't want to have a nativity set without a camel. And it's kind of hard to understand why, because there's no absolute proof that the wise men, when they came from the east, were riding camels. As a matter of fact, if they were coming from Arabia or whatever, chances are much greater that they were riding what? Horses. Horses. But maybe they were riding camels. We don't know. But there is a camel. There is a camel that shows up in the Christmas story. The only camel that shows up in the Christmas story, and nobody's riding it. As a matter of fact, it's only its hair that shows up, and it's being worn. The camel's hair which sounds like a really scratchy outfit, but the camel's hair is being worn by a bug-munching prophet. Uh, some guy with a little bit of uh, honey-roasted locust in his teeth who's standing there and crying, prepare, get ready. John was sent by God. He was sent from God. He is one of the only people that I can think of who had the gift of the Holy Spirit even before he was born. As a matter of fact, his father had been told by the angel Gabriel, and Gabriel would know, that the Spirit of God would rest on John the Baptist even before he was born. That he was sent from God is the first thing that we should say about him. He was sent... J.R.R. Tolkien is famous for saying, not all who wander are lost. Well, John was certainly not lost. He was sent to the lost. He didn't trek into the wilderness by chance or on his own initiative. Before he was even conceived, the archangel Gabriel said to Zechariah, your son will go out before the face of the Lord in the spirit and the power of of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, 
and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That last part is quoting the very last verses of the Old Testament. Just before the voice of prophecy falls silent, the prophet Malachi has a prophecy about the the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, the one who is yet to come, who would actually be born and actually prophesy during the time of Jesus. He said that just before the Lord comes to his temple, There will appear in the wilderness one who will turn the hearts of children back to their fathers and fathers back to their children. In other words, reestablish order, the way that things should be. And that that he will prepare the way for the Lord. Well, John was sent to prepare the way. To be a witness to the one who was to come. To give testimony. Giving testimony is all we really expect of a witness. Witnesses don't build a case. That's what lawyers are for. They don't have to decide right from wrong. That's what the law is for. They're not there to judge because judges and juries have already been provided. Witnesses are there to testify to what, has, what they have seen and what they have heard. And when it comes to being a witness for God, then what you do is you tell what you have seen and heard from the Lord. John came sent by God to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He was a witness so that people might believe through him. Not that people would believe in him, but that through John all people would come to believe in Jesus. John's message was never follow me. It was follow him. As the gospel according to St. John puts it, he himself was never the light, but he came to be a witness to the light. And his appearance caused quite a stir, not just because he was dressed unconventionally or because of the fact that it's almost certain that he was somewhat untrimmed and unkempt. He was supposed to be like a Nazarene from birth, people like Samson, that never cut their hair. Wearing camel's hair and a a belt of, of leather, dressed just like Elijah and bearing the spirit of Elijah. So his appearance caused a stir and it said in our gospel lesson that all Jerusalem and all of Judea went out to him. The messengers sent by the religious authorities confronted the one sent by God. And they asked him, Who do you think you are? Well, I don't think I'm the Christ. I'm not the Christ. I came to talk to you about the Christ. 
I came to preach repentance to get you ready for the coming of the Christ. This isn't about me. Well, are you Elijah then? You're dressed like Elijah. Nope, not Elijah. Are you the prophet? Yeah, I'm a prophet. No, are you the prophet? Which prophet? The one God promised to Moses, I will raise up for my people a prophet like you, Moses, from among your brothers, and put my words in his mouth, and he will tell, him, tell them everything that I command him. Oh, I'm not that prophet. I'm the one promised through Isaiah and Zechariah and Malachi. The voice calling in the wilderness makes straight the paths for our Lord. John wasn't there to talk about himself, to deliver stirring testimony, or to win a huge following. He was sent to prepare the people for the Lord by preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And as I said in the children's lesson today, we're all John the Baptist in a way. We're not going to call an entire nation to listen to us, to prepare for the coming of Christ. At least most of us won't. But we are called to witness what we have seen and heard and been sent to talk about when it comes to God. Because true witnessing, true testimony is not just saying, here's what God has done for me lately. It's saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, and not stopping there, but saying to the people, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But the Pharisees weren't satisfied with John's witnessing. So they ramped up the questioning, going beyond his identity to John's authority. Why are you baptizing then if you're not the Christ and you're not Elijah and you're not the prophet? And John doesn't answer at all. He doesn't answer at all. What he does instead, at least in our text, is he points to the one who is to come. The one whose sandals he is not worthy to unfasten. The question is going to be unimportant and the answer self-evident as soon as Christ appears. A greater one than John is already standing at the fringe of the crowd listening to the questions. I mean, one might just as reasonably ask why the sky would dare to get bright just before the rising of the sun. Because the next day, John extends his piercing gaze out, gaze out across the crowd and he points his finger in the direction of Jesus the lone finger figure coming toward him and he declares, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Only then would he answer the Pharisee's question. The reason I came baptizing with water was so that he could be revealed. 
I saw the Spirit come from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I had been told by God himself that when I see the Spirit come and rest upon a man and remain upon him, that would be the one who has been sent. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have testified this man is the Son of God. Today, the church is the voice and the pointing finger. In our wilderness of sin and terror and death, a voice to proclaim repentance and forgiveness in Jesus. To say, there is Jesus, your hope and your life, your forgiveness and your salvation. There he is in the waters of baptism. There he is in the mouth of the preacher absolving you of your sins. There he is in the bread that is his body, the wine that is his blood. And he will come again. It's one of the best reasons that the church throughout the ages, especially during times of persecution, ends their confessions of who Jesus is with talking about his return and how he gives us resurrection from the dead and life everlasting. The gifts that cannot be taken from us. That's what it is to be a witness to Jesus. Not pointing to ourselves and saying, be religious like me, but pointing to Jesus in the word and the water, the bread and the wine, and saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You don't have to put on a fake nose and glasses of false piety and phony religion. You can be honest about yourself and about your sin and about your hope in the one who takes that sin away. But most importantly, you can be honest about the Savior of the world, your Savior, and tell people, Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's our testimony. That is our witness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Please join in our, in our bold testimony. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. 
The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Seems like we should sing hymn 588 for our offertory. You can turn there with me if you'd like. 588. <laughs> 